Hey pod people, I'm Benjamin Alaco, and this is part two of our discussion of Midsummer with the fantastic Gracie Jarvis, who hosts the horror podcast Good Morning Nancy. If you haven't listened to part one of this discussion, stop this right now. Go one episode back and start there, you dumb fart. This is part two, and you know I'm going to see it in our podcast metrics if you just listen to this one. Uh, that would be some sort of a thing that like a dumb fart would do. Oh, and since this is part two of our discussion that already has begun, the spoilers are going to be coming hard and fast, as hard and fast as, say, old people jumping off a cliff, as just one simile that comes to mind. Okay, so uh, to run you up to speed, that's where we left off in our discussion. The two elders just jumped from Pride Rock, and Connie and Simon are freaking the fuck out. So now let's hear the rest of that sweet, sweet discussion. Enjoy. So, yeah, Simon and Connie are freaking the fuck out, and they're trying to leave, essentially. And I... Uh, forget her name but the elder tries to catch them and she's explaining to them that this is a long cultural tradition she says you know it's not as brutal as it appears and she's like this is part of their horga life cycle and when i go it'll be i'll go with joy and all this stuff i have a question <laughs> for you here because yeah i i kind of feel like th okay hear me out <laughs> Yeah. I feel like if you're brought up literally from the beginning of your birth, like this is what you know is going to happen to you by the time you're 72, is it really all that bad? You know? Like, no, I, I agree with you. Yeah. yeah. Because I can see see Simon and Connie being like oh my fucking god like what is this you know but yeah. that's not something that they grew up with so no I, I agree with Gracie because um, I feel like it's so I have I have a couple of thoughts and I'm trying to like rein them all in but it's definitely one of those things that if you grew up with it you kind of don't know another way but also um, I was thinking of it more as like anthropology perspective yeah. mm -hmm. where as anthropology typically comes from like a western white person's perspective and <gasps> yeah. there's a lot of times that they went into regions and areas and they didn't understand because it was so different from their own views and they automatically thought it was bad or evil or so that's yeah. kind of where i'm coming from with it yeah i just to echo that i mean I, I think that what the elder says too is something about how we lock up our elders in nursing homes where they die in pain and shame and there is definitely a twisted part of myself that's like i mean that's kind of right no yeah. it's true and i mean like if you I, I can see some people arguing well what about cultures where it's normal to marry like a child bride right but i think this is different because you're not hurting anybody else like nobody else is involved in this right it's you making that literal jump you know yeah so i just feel like this is something that is not technically hurting anybody else you know if you know, if you want to put in the word hurting, I guess, but I mean, and if you yeah, I was really gonna say, I mean, it's going to hurt that guy who, yeah. who fell and <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> smashed his legs to pieces. Right. Of course. <laughs> and, um, 
so i just feel like you know nobody they're older like their life has happened like they're not like this young person who's jumping or even like being sacrificed like a young virginal girl or whatever is being sacrificed these are these are people who have lived a very full life you know and i mean like death is inevitable anyway so i can see how in their culture that by making room basically for a new generation to move up is yeah would be something that would be honorable Um, she she also says something too about how it so she says it's part of their horga life cycle and then she says something about new life Mm -hmm. so i think that's the idea and i I was trying to figure out if maybe their belief is that these old people are going into the new child that's going to be part of this whole ritual too that may be a stretch but i mean reincarnation is a pagan belief as well right so So, that would make sense yeah 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 so but i i also think from a movie like in terms of the actual plot of the movie this is a really smart moment in the film because we (laughs) i think there's a part of us even in western culture where we hear that elders argument about why this maybe is acceptable to them and part of us is like you know i kind of see the logic there i i don't necessarily morally i don't want it as part of my culture but i kind of see what they're saying and so i i I empathize with the characters who don't go running for their car and get the fuck out of the village at that point i'm like okay they there's some seed of these people aren't horrible yet you know what i mean right well i'm also I want to rain on our parade for a second before we continue, but I thought about it a little bit more. If you think about it in context of the director's cut, where there's a lot more Nazi stuff, oh yeah, Nazis killed off the elderly. Yeah, Jewish and see, I haven't both. seen the director's cut, so that's like that's not like a, a context that I even that I even begin to right. consider. So yeah. it's really interesting that. There's a completely different way to read this film by looking Agreed. at the director's cut. That's yeah. so interesting to me. Agreed. I, I was thinking about that as we were talking because I was like, yeah, if you don't know the other, the director's cut, then there's another alternative meaning possibly. Right. That's pretty genius, though, honestly. Yeah. That, yeah. A few, ju- that just a few scenes can can give you a completely different story to what's happening in the film. Yeah, I definitely didn't put that together, but I, yeah, that's a really that's a really interesting point. Um, so okay, so right after this, they all kind of go back, they disperse, right? And this is also where Christian—you can just see it on his face this whole time. He's like, <laughs> oh, "I know what I want to do for my thesis," and so he has that confrontation with Josh, where he's like, "Hey, so I want to do my thesis here on Horga," and their interaction is just one of those again like perfectly written moments in the film josh's Mm -hmm. response to him is so on point and acted i was gonna say it's so believable and it like makes you cringe you're like no yeah Yeah. there's such a huge lack of empathy with christian and and literally all of his relationships (laughs) yes yeah but but yeah so i i I love some terms he uses josh uses to describe christian he says it's unethical lazy and leechy and he's like i'm honestly sort he says something like i'm honestly sort of impressed because of how bold-faced you're doing this yeah and like i feel like christian because like he lacks empathy and 
you know, passivity is such a huge motivator for him in everything, you know, because he treats it so passive. He's like, what? Like, why wouldn't I just do this? You know, but I feel like his lack of empathy and his passivity is a huge like, I mean, we're going to, I'm jumping ahead here a little bit, but this is like a huge reason why Josh becomes so competitive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's why he makes like that fatal mistake of taking those pictures of that book. Oh, I Mm -hmm. didn't think about that. Yeah. And so I feel like, like Christian's um, passivity is, is actually kind of violent because it causes so much pain for other people Mm -hmm. and they make decisions that maybe they never would have made uh, in the first place, like maybe Danny probably wouldn't have, you know, tried to, you know, had him killed at the end if he hadn't been so passive, <laughs> which, well, you know, probably, yeah, she probably wouldn't even be here in the first place. Absolutely. Too, right? Yes. This whole, yeah. uh, this whole thing is coming from Christian being so incredibly <laughs> passive and yeah. he, uh, you know, and that, that's the thing. It's like, you know, people say like saying nothing is saying something. Yeah. And I feel like that's what's happening with Christian. Like his <sighs> lack of, of empathy and his passivity is what causes this, his downfall and the downfall of everyone else around him. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, at least in terms of for Danny, I mean, he really is the villain of the movie. Oh yeah. 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 Absolutely. Or he, he's the catalyst for everything. I mean, the others would be there. I think he would be there with his group of friends and Pele brought them there. But right. for Danny, she's only there because he was being an asshole originally and was like, oh, yeah, I'm going. And um, well, I guess I guess like you can come, too. Yeah, you should come. <laughs> like, yeah. He even says it's his friend's idea. Like, so the whole thing is just wrapped in this, you know, yeah, passivity. He's trying to not take responsibility for pretty much anything. Right. Yeah. And so because of that, I think that's what spirals this whole thing. And then you kind of wonder what would have happened in this? Would any, would anyone, would, would anything have happened? Would they have just left the whore and been like, okay. And you know, so I'm just curious if, um, if really any sort of sacrifices at the end would have even happened if Christian hadn't been so passive. So it's interesting. I, I think that, I think that they would have, because mm-hmm. yeah, I think they were, they, they were chosen yes before. Okay. Yeah. So, but do you think Josh would have died? Because Josh's death is so accidental almost. I think so. Cause they need the so. numbers. Yeah. The, the counts have to be uh four and four plus one extra. Yeah. But wouldn't so, they have I don't been the think uh, oh, okay, Danny gotcha. would have been there though. Okay. Yeah, Danny wouldn't have been there. Danny's yeah. journey would have happened. Okay. Correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I think with her parents dying and then everything else because in the the next scene like he even goes to Danny cuz he Pally like catches her trying to pack up and leave and then he has that thing where he's like I had a family which you don't have and he's like explaining kind of mm-hmm. all yeah. this um you know what I just realized as I was doing the math? I'm sorry to jump in. I know. You're fine. I could see um, you like mentally uh, The thinking. wheels were turning. Yeah. So there, the, the final counts for this need to be... Oh, I guess I... I okay. There's two things. Um, so the final counts for this need to be four outsiders sacrificed, four Horga sacrificed, and then one person chosen by the May Queen. Mm-hmm. So that's what we learn at the end. So when you do the counts, there were five outsiders brought in. So there's the potential that one of those outsiders could have survived, but it seems like 
they were setting it up so that the May Queen would choose the outsider every time because there's that extra person. Mm-hmm. But the thing I wanted to point out was that remember uh, what the fuck was his name? Um, the the guy who liked Connie, um, uh, Ing- Ingmar. Ingmar, yeah. I was wondering, like, what if Ingmar was planning to sacrifice Simon, but then like marry Connie at the it's end? Totally possible. See, that's the thing. Like, that's why I'm wondering: would Josh have even been a victim? Because I feel like. There were extra people in there, and is mm-hmm. Simon even in the building? No, right? He's in the chicken coop. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, he, so they do take him in at the end. Yeah. Oh, okay, they, gotcha. Yeah, they do. Yeah, oh, they he's take him. in gotcha. a wheelbarrow. Yep. Uh, Connie's in the wheelbarrow. Oh. We'll get there. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, too, just because I'm all into the pagan part of this, that the number nine represents human earthly lessons, which mm. is forgiveness. Oh. So the number nine is huh. you learn selfless selflessness and compassion. Oh, that is so cool. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Okay, so we should talk about Pele and Danny because right after the jump, Pele uh, gets Danny alone in the bunk area. Well, she's he catches her trying to pack Yeah, she's up. trying to leave. She's like, I can't be here right now. And this is he, in a weird way, Pele is better for her than christian definitely it's so fucked up it's so fucked up to say that because as we said before he's a he's a murderer but well i guess you know maybe he didn't directly murder anyone he's like charles manson yes i was thinking the whole time i was like he reminds me of manson (laughs) yeah he's a manson boy but the whole thing with them is he's like i know what you're going through i'm so sorry about your parents or something along those lines and she starts to freak out and the important thing for her journey is that he's the only one who's actually helping her grieve because mm-hmm. everyone else is just ignoring the fact that mm-hmm. she just went through this horrible trauma. And, and she tries to say, that's not what I'm talking about. That's not why I'm upset. That's not what I'm talking about. And Pele's like, no, listen, mm-hmm. I know what you're going through. And it's like, uh, doesn't he even tell her that Christian is the problem? Yes. He says, what does he say? Do you feel held by him? Yes. Yeah. Does he feel like home? You know, what I love about this is that um, this is so, going back to my obsession with this being like a fairy tale, in fairy tales, right, the mother always dies, and mm-hmm. that yeah. is by design, because it's called, I think, the too good mother, and that's what um Clarissa Pinkola Estes calls it in her book, Women Who Run With Wolves. And that's what happens with Danny, right? Her too good mother, which is, I guess, her real mother. Um, passes away and she has to now like journey through the world by herself and she meets a bunch of crazy characters that kind of help guide her through it like Pele would be one for example but uh, I feel like this is Danny sort of finding her voice and realizing that like her mother's death is of course obviously super sad but that it's it's okay that it happened that like it might have been an unnatural death but death in itself is not necessarily a bad thing right and i think this is like the beginning of this moment of her realizing that death is almost when death happens to others this is almost your chance to sort of figure out like who holds you right right like, and who is, is helping you get through it yeah. really during that's, this time that's very true because those are like those big life events where 
you know, I like, I hate to be like, you know who your true friends are, but it's true. Like you kind of figure out who's actually there and who's not there and right. it can be devastating and it can also be really good. Yeah. Right. And I think that this is that moment too. That's the beginning of this moment is her coming to that realization. Like mm-hmm. maybe I don't need him. Like maybe mm-hmm. I, you know, maybe he's the stepmother, like, yeah. you know, maybe he's the wicked stepmother yeah. keeping me from getting shit done. And I think so much of this also depends on how you read the final moments of yes. the movie, because I think there there's, there's definitely at least two ways to read the trajectory for Danny's path, which is it's either a comedy where everything works out in the end, which I had mentioned at the start of this episode that I think there's a way to read this as a comedy, Mm -hmm. but also you can read it as a tragedy because she is now stuck with this community and they do not exactly have a healthy lifestyle (laughs) to put it mildly. No. So I think, yeah, depending on how you read that, you know, there, there's there's a I guess if duality you take it, to this. I guess if you take it literally, then yeah, it's not a very healthy lifestyle. But if we right. take it metaphorically, this is like her moment of finding acceptance and family. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And just like Snow White burns the feet of her of the queen right at the end when she gets married, like Danny burns her ex-boyfriend in a fire (laughs) you know yeah well okay uh i want to get there um because i don't want to talk too much about it right now because there's so there's so much to talk about but let's try to speed through some things that'll move us along so so i was gonna skip ahead to the next scene where like um right after her and pally are done talking she does find christian and it's interesting because she asked him if he's disturbed by what they saw. And it's like no one else is upset about watching people die except for her because she just went through this horrible right. tragedy. So I find that really interesting. Yeah. Some other things happen here. The redhead. What? Oh, my God. What was her name? Uh, Maya. Uh, Maya. Yeah, I'm sorry. I can't, <laughs> no, I'm so okay. bad with these names right now. Maya puts the stone under Christian's pillow. Christian talks to Pele about doing his project and Pele has different answers at different times. He's like, no, or, or I think Josh and Pele actually talk about it. And Pele says, I talked to Christian. He talked to me first. And Josh was like, but you said you didn't talk to him. And uh, so it's clear Pele is kind of molding the narrative and it's not going to matter anyway, because he's planning on killing all these people. Mm-hmm. So I think that you see that in retrospect when you see this movie twice. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the big thing that happens <laughs> that we need to talk about is Mark pisses on the ancestral tree. <laughs> Oh, what a dumb idiot. (laughs) Yes. So really, he is the fool. But really, though, I can't believe I'm defending this asshole, but it's like, how would he know, though? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. How, I mean, they like, do... is there, there's no sign. There's nobody saying, like, don't go over to that tree, you know? I guess, yeah. how would he know? I, I know. think it's more his reaction to oh, yeah. well, what yeah. happens after they say. Because I agree with you. I'm like, well, I mean, he could have seen the ashes, but he didn't necessarily see them put the ashes there. Maybe it's because I was raised as a lady. But I don't think you should whip your dick out if there is a bathroom nearby. That's personally. true, though. That's the thing, right? Hold That's... up, hold up. As the only, <laughs> I'm just saying, as the only guy in this uh, conversation right here, they are surrounded by nature, which, as all, I think everyone knows that just nature is if, man's toilet. But so you're you're like in someone's home. They don't. Do, they like... don't. Have, they do not have running water in this community. 
you... he's either going into an outhouse to pee yeah. or he's peeing on a tree and <laughs> i'm just gonna pee on a tree well i feel like it's rude <laughs> i mean i'm not saying it's not rude because first of all if you were gonna go pee he should have at least gone to the forest to pee which was like a few feet past the tree which he did not do yeah that's true yeah. he's peeing in front of a bunch of people yeah that's what i mean yeah and then also there are outhouses there's children around there's children like and then again if you want to do the pagan thing like nature is sacred so mm-hmm. like hold up i can pee on nature okay well we're not getting into that <laughs> are we... but are like... you saying i can't pee on trees anymore have you ever peed on a tree? Oh, wait. Yeah, we, when what? we go hiking, we both I, pee in the woods. But um, I used to go camping all the time. I, like, with my family. I, I mean. feel like... Uh, okay, so that's different because you're not in a little society where they're, you're <laughs> not like a visitor. How, I love how this has become a debate about public <laughs> urination. Well, <laughs> that's what this movie is really all about. I was raised as a lady, and unless you're hiking or camping, you do not pee in the woods. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's fair, but I just want to say, I don't think the act itself is the horrible thing. I think it's his reaction when they start freaking the fuck out and he's like, what? It's a tree. What? Yeah. He's disrespecting their, their um, beliefs. Yeah. I think that honestly, they didn't freak out as much as I thought they would. It was just that one guy who's freaking out. That's true. It is just that one guy. Everyone else is like, it's okay. Calm down. (laughs) Yeah. Like they're upset, but they're like, it's, you didn't know, like, it's fine. It's yeah. just that one guy. Hmm. Hmm. I think they're. I think Moral they're pretty of upset. The story is don't whip your dick out. Maybe just <laughs> keep it that in your pants. Is, that is true. Maybe it's that. I don't know. There's an interesting way I want to try to read this, but I don't know if I'm forcing it because to me, the, okay, you have a society like this, which is essentially a cult, right? And you you have certain people who really buy into the symbolism of that cult, and mm. the guy who's freaking out must be. You know, he's really bought into this. And I'm like, is the rest of the community just going through the motions? Mm -hmm. And so something like this happens and they're like, ah, you know what? It's not really that big of a deal. It's just the ashes. I think if you know you're going to kill someone anyway, you're like, yes, now I have some anger. Yeah. Now I have a real reason. Yeah. (laughs) Sure. So I think, I think honestly, a lot of them are kind of like, well, we're killing you anyway. So Mm -hmm. now you deserve it. Extra. Right. But. Yeah, he is the fool of the group. He's yes. the fool. Yeah. Uh, jumping ahead, Pele's... Well, I, get, I, I wanted to say it's his dad, but we know that everyone in here is his dad, I guess, technically. But So there's the guy who tries to stop Connie from leaving, and he says that Simon already left in the truck, and you just know it's bullshit. And oh, yeah. Total bullshit. It's it's not going to end well. <laughs> no. <laughs> He's gone. Yeah. He's dead. <laughs> yeah. The, the Oh, man. The guy's affect in that moment where he's explaining to her, oh, he went in the truck. There was no room in the truck for you. So it's only a half an hour. He'll be right back. And it just it's so perfectly culty mm-hmm. where it's like he knows that she can't. She's helpless. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like it doesn't matter how he explains it to her. He just wants there to be that seed of doubt where it's like, everything, everything's fine. Connie runs away. And then he turns to Danny, who's just watching this whole exchange. And he's like, okay, so lunch in a little bit. And then he walks <laughs> away. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. He's, he nailed it. It's fine. <laughs> and then, so some other things here. I'm going to try to skip his head. Danny 
I think she talks to Christian. This might be where Carrie was talking about, um, where he just doesn't seem to care. Oh, no, he doesn't care about... Sorry, he's, I was wrong. He's interviewing one of the locals. Yes. So he's asking them questions. And we do learn a couple things, like, um, about mating and, like, how the elders approve all of the yeah. mates. And then, like, the incest happens only for their... Um, seer person well he tells that to josh so that's a different conversation but yeah but um they are starting to bring up the idea of incest and then she because she goes over to tell him about what she overheard and how it doesn't seem right and that simon wouldn't leave without connie and all the weird interactions and he just is kind of like okay well i'm interviewing this guy i don't care yeah so yeah, she's like, that's nice, like pat would, on the head. Yeah, why would Simon just leave? That doesn't make any sense. And he's like, that sucks. So hey, how about the uh... how about those? I was gonna, I was gonna say Redskins. <laughs> and that's the... a hot topic oh, right no. now. How about them Yankees? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I think that's a perfectly delivered moment, though, by that actor. Yeah. Um, he's so good at being just. Like we talked about, just passive. Like, oh, mm-hmm. oh no. Anyway, it's yeah. great. So after that conversation, Danny is like invited to help uh, with the women. Yeah. And you can see that she's like, they're very welcoming to her. And she she looks like she is enjoying herself. And she helps make meat tarts. Yeah. So it's like she's starting to get brought into this community a little bit more. Like she's, she's with the other women doing their work and seems to be kind of having a decent time yeah and then while that's happening um i, I called him anthro guy what's his name josh yeah, yeah josh <laughs> yeah, anthro guy. I like that. he's uh in the like learning about the scriptures and that's where we learned about how they're yeah. written by reuben yeah the the guy who he calls him does he call him the disabled guy yeah he's, he refers to yeah. him that way and the the elder that he's talking to says that he, Reuben, is unclouded by normal cognition. He's a product of inbreeding. And then they, they kind of call him the Oracle. And it's... Do you guys have any thoughts on this? Because this is probably one of the only things in this film where I'm like, why is this in here? I was going to kind of say the same thing, actually. I, I agree. Yeah, because I really don't have any idea. I have no idea, like, what his message for this is. I think... I have a couple of thoughts. I think it's to show... And I'm I'm trying not to be offensive. I think it's showing more or less how... No, it's showing how people run with these ideas. Mm -hmm. And they can literally come from anyone, if that makes sense. Right. And then people take them to heart and as scripture. So I think there's part of... That's kind of what I took, and in some ways that can be terrifying, especially, like, in our current climate with, like, Donald Trump and Mm -hmm. Putin and, like, all those people. Like, they could literally just persuade all these people to follow these insane, like, Mm -hmm. you know, go kill your neighbor kind of thing. So I think that's, that's what I got out of it, but... I think think it's also one of the first times where we're starting to see that not only does this stuff not line up with the ethics of Western culture, it just may be entirely unethical, you know, like mm-hmm. that, that this guy is, they say the product of inbreeding. So they've arranged for incest. So yeah. like sex is treated 
uh, in a disturbing way in this community. Yeah. Right. And that essentially they are looking at this guy as, I mean, in a way they're exploiting him because he, he didn't. Oh. Totally. You know, he didn't choose any of this. And he they keep showing him he just sleeps on this like cot. bare cot in mm -hmm. the temple. And it looks like he is so Miserable. isolated and sad. And well, it's really kind of heartbreaking. Because mm -hmm. is he in the room with them when they're having the... Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So he just sits there and witnesses yeah. the yeah. sex. And he's like... Get out of my room. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I I think I, I, I agree, though, that I'm not quite sure what to do with it beyond that, because I, I, I don't know. I mean, it ties into this whole notion of eugenics and purity. And okay. I was just about to say that. Do you guys think it connects to this whole thing with the Nazi symbolism yes, from the, so. the director's that, cut? Okay. Yeah, that was the other thing I was going to say. Like that they, that they oh, what's the word? They, they fetishize disability, you know? Whether or not you, I guess, arbitrarily like glorify disability or you know, kill people who have a disability because that's what Nazis did. Right. But they are, they're taking kind of the polar opposite stance from that where they treat this guy like a prophet, but it doesn't seem to be any, it's just, it seems like a miserable existence. Right. Yeah. He doesn't seem to get any really amazing special treatment. Yeah. And they are in it strictly for themselves. Mm -hmm. Like that, yes. it is a selfish thing that they're doing to him. It's not right. like, look at, you know, let's make this guy happy and I don't know. They well, don't treat him like an equal. They, he also uh, can't really weird. fight and say, like, they're interpreting things wrong. He's, so, again, it's like yeah. they can interpret. They can take advantage and interpret however they want and make their own rules and yeah. say, well, it's right. here in the scripture. Yeah. Right. You're, that's actually a really good point. He can't he can't be like, uh, no, you're reading this whole thing wrong. Yeah. It's right. yeah, he's at the mercy of their interpretation of his of his seat, like what he sees. So yeah. it's interesting. that's really sad. Yeah. I think so. It's really sad. And it's also the way it's placed in the movie is one of the first times, like I said, where we're starting to see the ugly underside of their lifestyle. Yeah. And so this is just kind of hinting at some of that where it's like, wait a minute, that's like that's not, hey, we don't lock our elders up. This is like uh <laughs> Right. That's that's really uncomfortable and wrong. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then shortly after that, this time I actually, I want to say this is the first time I heard the scream in the distance. Did you yes. hear her scream, Gracie? I did. I, ha I have heard the scream before. Okay. And every time I'm like, okay, so that's Connie. But now what? Like, we don't know. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's no one reacts. That's kind of the end of it. Yeah. I, I like that that this movie in that sense too is playing with genre tropes in in a lot of ways. I mean, it is somewhat of a tropey movie, but it's the aesthetics of the way the tropes are used that makes them not feel so tropey. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Cuz that is totally a moment out of any horror movie, any slasher pretty much, where people are being picked off one by one. You hear the scream in the distance. What was that? It was probably just a a dog or a coyote. Well, what's interesting is none of them ask about no, it. No one even asked. But that's no, what I, mean. I know. They're just like, oh, well. <laughs> yeah. Wait. Yeah. What was that? Wait but a they, Weird. They all look freaked out, but then they're like, okay, well. Yeah. I feel like part of, honestly, I feel like they kind of know. 
Yeah. But, mm, or maybe not know, but they know that something is happening to her. And they're like, well, it's not my business. I think, Carrie, you said it after we watched the movie this time. You said something like, everyone in their group is so in their own. Yeah. Yeah. They're in their own world. So they're all so self, self absorbed. I think including Danny, like, but for her, we can understand why, because she's not in her right state of mind. She's she's going through something horrible. Right. And she's still though, is the only one that is like concerned about what's going on. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, They're all very self-absorbed. And then as the, just like even from the beginning but as the movie goes on i feel like they get more and more self-absorbed like each of them yeah and because it kind of has to do with the ending like yeah yeah um so okay and then we we are at dinner where christian's drink is darker than everyone else's (laughs) drink (laughs) yep (laughs) yummy okay me and carrie were talking about this all right so we know that this is the Maya, the girl putting the spell on him, essentially mm-hmm. the the love spell. Um, if she is menstruating, oh yeah, how can she get pregnant? I think you can though. Can you? I think you can. I didn't think you could on your period. Let's Google. Real quick. Are you? <laughs> I, I totally heard you typing over there. <laughs> Maybe. Can you get pregnant? I thought it was the only sure time you can't get pregnant. No, because it's uh, because when you're ovulating, when you're not ovulating is when you for sure can't get pregnant. A person is most likely to get pregnant if they have intercourse in the three days before up to the day of ovulation. You cannot usually get pregnant during your period, but it's possible. Hmm. So whatever that means. So I I feel like I wanted to go a different route with this and say that maybe she... So they knew all of this was coming, right? They had this all planned. It seems really coincidental that she would just happen to be on her period in order to get this ritual going. So I'm like, I could see that they were like, okay, so, you know, your mate is going to be coming... Um, in a couple weeks, so we're gonna we're gonna take some of that menstrual blood and we're gonna That's, put it in the freezer. That makes sense. <laughs> but I just there's it's something totally possible. there's something really amusing to me about them just having like a cup of menstrual blood in the freezer. So it says so if you have sex during your period no. and ovulate up to seven days later, there is a strong possibility of getting pregnant because hmm. sperm can survive inside a woman's body up to seven days. Hmm. There you go. But what? I like the... That's crazy. I, what? Yeah. Seven days? Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Just chilling. That's, yeah, it's kind of freaky. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of. Welcome to being a lady. <laughs> <laughs> um, I kind of like the idea of them saving it, though, because they say that um, Christian is astrologically... Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Aligned. Aligned They're a perfect her. match or whatever, yeah. Right, and I think that knowing that they were going to come visit, like, it would make sense that they kind of prepared for that. Yeah. One way or the other, she gets the blood in his drink, and she also gets some pubes in his meat pie. Mm. It's just eating at McDonald's, really. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone's reaction is so perfect, though. I think Mark is like, dude, is that a pube? (laughs) And Christian just looks at it for a minute. He's like, hmm. Interesting. You know, <laughs> yeah. Danny also is like pretty shocked. She, I think she's like, 
she says something she's like gross or something like that yeah <laughs> it's perfect yeah I like how Mark is like, you're not embarrassed. I would be embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I feel like I, you can see the the wheels turning in Christian's mind too. Like he knows what's happening. Oh yeah, because yeah, he saw the 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 thing. Yeah. yeah. So he's he, uh, yeah. And uh, Halle even ball. told him that the Maya looked like she had a crush on him. Yep. 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 This is where the movie actually starts to pick up the pace with the kind of slasher trope too because the mark looks across the table and i'd laugh every time the way the guy is still just staring at him <laughs> just yes. literally a death glare and mark goes is that guy gonna kill me <laughs> <laughs> yep sure yeah. is and this he, is, he absolutely is and this is when i i have a note where i notice that they're really starting to become self-obsessed because no one acknowledges his comment and then mm -hmm. he also that cute i wrote cute girl because she doesn't have a name and she's pretty cute she comes in and it's like you you come with me you, yeah. you i'll show, I show you. you something i'll show you <laughs> and like they all see him walk off but they don't really react or they're just like whatever yeah 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 I mean, she's she's gonna she's gonna show me. She's gonna, she's show, gonna show me. me. <laughs> then, then he's gone forever. <laughs> I think so. About the fact that no one really goes looking for him, I don't think anyone would be worried about him that night because I, it's this is gonna sound weird, but I feel like it's a guy code thing where well he went off with a girl. Well, no, and I get right? that, mm. and I totally get that. But what I meant was like they didn't even acknowledge him being like I'm going with her. So I feel like girl right, code. They kind of all like stare ahead. They yeah. don't really look at him. That's yeah. right. Like girl code, you would at least be like, "All right, Susan, oh, have fun. Text Call me later. Text me. Yeah. yeah, text me when you're done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, I feel like yeah, that's a guy code thing. I mean, people that I feel like they would just kind of nod and say, "All right, man. See yeah. You when, see you when I see you." I understand that. I feel like I, my husband has said stuff like that. Like Luke has been like, oh, we would never talk about that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like that would just be like done and over. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. There's no concern for him. I mean, when a guy goes off with a girl, you're not concerned for the guy typically in, a, in right. our culture, right? Yeah, that's so true. So I think they're all just kind of like, he's fine. He's, yep. you know, he's having fun in her. No, and I, I totally got that as well, but it was just the looks on their face, like, literally just, not paying attention to him. Nobody likes him, so they're just like, please leave, maybe? Blankly staring ahead. Yeah. I, I can see that, yeah. That night, we see Josh go to bed with his shoes on, and I wish that my initial thought about this was right, where I was like, oh, he's getting ready to run or That's something. That's what I thought, nope. yeah. Or like he's worried. He's starting yeah. to put two and two together. No, he's got his own selfish plans. Yeah, because he's motivated from what Christian has done. Right. He's got to get ahead. Because mm -hmm. earlier he asked if he could take a picture of, what did they call I can't remember the, the, the book, the scripture. Yeah, the holy book. And the guy kind of freaked out on him and was like, what? No, under no circumstances can you take a picture of this. So he sneaks back in the night to the temple and... He goes and starts taking some pictures, and some other things happen. Yeah. Yep, and somebody dressed in Mark's skin clubs him over the head. Yeah. And so we paused this to look because Carrie thought that that guy dressed in Mark's face was naked, and I thought he was wearing, like, pea-stained sweatpants that were, like, Mark's pants. 
Oh, I always assumed he was dressed. That's what I thought. Okay. But he's definitely got like a, like his crotch area is stained. Aren't they yes. Mark's clothes, aren't they? I thought so. Yeah. Cause he is wearing the zip up Navy hoodie. Yeah. When we went, when you paused it, I could see like the hem yeah, of like, like some sweat pants. Yeah. But the first from far away in the silhouette, it does look like he might be naked. But then you get that close up and he's. Yeah. And you see that it's his. Yeah. I I think I was so distracted by the stain. I was like, is that a dick? (laughs) Like, (laughs) It's really blurry. Yeah. Well, it's dusky, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So but that shot that uh, it's so it's one of those uncanny moments because at first it does look like Mark, but then kind of the camera lingers on it and you realize this is not mark and the then they, eyes don't add up yeah they show they zoom in on the face and you can see that it's actually mark's skin taken off yeah it's creepy so this is Leatherface, and then it's not that guy who actually hits him over the head but you see it's another guy yeah you see someone mm-hmm. come up kind of next to him and it's the same mallet that they used to smash the elderly man when he mm-hmm. jumped from the cliff i also just want to emphasize here that it's not Ruben who kills no. Josh because I've I've read actually a review that said that it they were so disappointed in this movie they loved everything about this movie but they couldn't believe that they made the disabled person kill what the, yeah and I was like wait what no no mm-hmm. he's laying on the cot the whole time yeah he yeah. has nothing to do with this that. was a it was on a website too an actual review website I was like did this person oh no not you know how embarrassing yeah <laughs> so uh, they they miswatched that part there's a lot going on so i can see how they saw that because mm-hmm. i think the first time we watched it i at first i thought it was ruben wearing the guy's skin but then they they do show him laying on the cot still so right i would emphasize to that reviewer out there watch it again yeah, it's they, not ruben they misremembered that scene must be yep totally they wake up and Josh and Mark are both missing. So during breakfast, they also find out that the book of scripture oh, is yeah. missing. And the elders kind of approach them after breakfast and tell them that they're looking for their friends. And this is one of those, like, it's a perfect example of Christian being Christian where oh. he is like intensely throwing other people under the bus and denying any association with them. And he's like, we're not best friends, like all this weird stuff. And Danny's like, what the fuck? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's very, the look that she gives him is perfect. Yeah. Cause he says it so explicitly. He's like, we just want to emphasize. We have no association. We would be so embarrassed if we were to be viewed as his friend or had his collaborators. We have no relationship with him. And it's like, dude, what the fuck are you talking about? You you agreed to collaborate. You're his friend. You came here together. What? Liar. 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 <laughs> yeah. I feel yes. like those was finally one of those like eye-opening moments for Danny. Yeah. I was like, "Thank you." Right. <sighs> yeah, she needed to see she needed to see his um his his downfall basically yeah. <laughs> yeah. at his own hands. Yeah. <laughs> then we have Danny and Christian getting split up again. She goes with the women and he goes to and I wrote her name it is Sev, Sev's house. Gotcha. The elderly woman. So, <laughs> basically Danny, she gets to perform in the maypole dance and all of the women are in their beautiful floral crowns and um they're given some i wrote it down some drug laced 
herbal drink. I don't know why yeah. I'm laughing. Tea. Uh, herbal yeah. tea. Yeah. She she does the weird breath thing that yeah. they do the whole time. She learns more of like the rituals. Yeah. But simultaneously, uh, Christian is being told that he has been selected and okayed to have sex with Maya. To mate. Yes, to mate. Approved to mate. Sexy. Yeah. Yikes. <laughs> and then we go back to the maple scene and they're dancing and it's beautiful and as soon as christian joins the crowd maya the redhead like falls falls quote unquote falls yeah so she can go sit near him yeah and the part that i love about this scene though is you can tell that everyone is happy for danny except for christian yeah yeah i mean they're all like waving their hands in the air like and he just perfectly is right in the middle of all of that, just sitting there with his back hunched and just staring yeah. at her. I think, too, there's something from the director's cut that isn't in this. At least, at least I didn't catch it this time, but I did catch it in the director's cut. That in the, in the director's cut, they say Maya's age. They do. They yeah. say that she's 16. To, mm. to I don't Christian. remember that in the movie. Yeah, so. I didn't think so. So they, they tell Christian that in the director's cut. Yeah. And oh, he, so he knows that she's underage. Yes. Oof. Yep. Yeah. Oof. Because they have a scene, like, it's an, the scene of him and Sev's house is even longer, and she kind of explains it a little more. Yeah, she goes into it more, and it's a more explicit uh, discussion of whether he should or not, and she kind of says, you know, think of it in terms of anthropology. It's something that most anthropologists would never be able to experience, and you'd be in our culture. A little mm. bit more and he he never does give an answer in that scene so it's similar to how it's cut but it's i'm a little disappointed that that was cut because yeah. that totally makes him even more of a jerk yep. mm-hmm. because i think the argument is like oh well he was drugged he's under the influence right. you know even though he does choose to be drugged he could have just took that tea and just dumped it yep. you know he didn't need to drink the tea he didn't need to inhale the smoke stuff he could have just been like i'm not doing this right but he does it and it's like and he does it after he knows that she's 16 yes. so that i'm almost re- i'm really disappointed that that was cut because i just feel like that just adds to him being like a jerk and uh, being a creepy guy yeah <laughs> because i think the argument was like oh well he gets drugged and like he's under he doesn't know but he does mm-hmm. And yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Like he's hmm. doing it for his own selfish reasons. And the selfish reason is not because, you know, he just wants to have sex or something. I it's mean, because he wants to get ahead in mm-hmm. this, in the anthropology aspect of it. Right. Yeah. Which I mean, I'm sorry, but hmm, I don't think his write up would be approved in most peer reviewed oh, journals at that point, by the way. Absolutely totally. not. Because he's not he's no longer an observer. Exactly. He's a participant. Yes. Which is yeah, I'm pretty sure goes against kind of the anthropological code for those types absolutely. of studies. Absolutely. Yeah. So he sucks. He sucks at what he's trying to do and on top of it, he's acting more and more like a disgusting slime ball. So uh, sorry, Danny so, talks Swedish, maybe. Well, even before that, he, he that's when he's given um, the, the, tea. the drug tea. Yeah. And um, at first, he does resist. 
and but then he takes it after looking at the redhead or Maya. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Uh, I love the palace face right next to him where he's like, yes. Mm. Um, <laughs> <Ix>. <laughs> yes. Yes. Mr. Burns. Perfect. <laughs> um, and then that's when, yeah, there's more dancing and she starts speaking in Swedish. And... What do you think is going on there? Do you think she's actually speaking Swedish? I think that that's meant to show that she's, that they're finally understanding her and she's understanding them. Yeah. And that's what makes her, the keening scene so important. Yeah. Because yeah. I think metaphorically, like they're speaking her language or yeah. she's speaking their language. Yeah. I think that that's what that scene's supposed to represent. Right. But do you think literally she is? I watched this with subtitles and it actually at first it says that they're speaking gibberish Uh, and then and then they actually are speaking Swedish to each other. Interesting. So the first few lines is gibberish and then it's and then it is really Swedish. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's supposed to be symbolic. I I feel like it's on because she's also on drug. They're all on drugs. Right, yeah, they all have that tea and stuff, well, exactly. That's interesting. I took it, because I'm from an evangelical town and community. I was not actually evangelical, but speaking in tongues is like a thing. Yeah. And um, people communicate with each other in that moment, because they have, mm. they're mm. on this, like, mental level. I, I don't know how to explain it, but it's like that, um, oh, what's the, the word? It's French, where you're like... Uh, you all are in that, uh, like, I don't want to say delusion because that's offensive, but you're in that moment. Get, yeah, it is I like know a what delusion. you're trying to say, and I can't think of it either. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I don't know. Shoot. It. But, you know, it makes sense to both of you at the same time. Right. Yeah. So that's how I took it. Like, she's just finally being like, okay, I'm into this cult. And right. Yeah. We're in this together now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. she becomes the last person standing. So she's the May Queen. And she, they all kind of come over and they rush at her and they're like, oh my God, congratulations, you did it. You're the May Queen. And she sees her, it's really uh, one of those great moments. She sees her mom and dad. Mm-hmm. She sees just her mom, I think. It's uh, her, I think she says mom, but her dad is there first. Yeah. He, it's the same, it's definitely the same actor. He's got yeah. the goatee. He's a heavier set oh, guy. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yep. So they're both there. And Pele totally gives her a full-on-the-mouth kiss. Like, you did it. (laughs) Full-on-the-mouth kiss. And um, Christian's just kind of, like, behind everyone and following and totally, again, just... Yeah. Uh, He's out of the the group, really really isolated at this point. So he's the outsider. Yeah. And then they go to have that big dinner where she's at the head of the table because she, she's got her big crown on. It's got a breathing flower on it. Oh, she has yes. her, her capelet to her caplet. Little, little flower. Yeah. yeah. But to go back to what Gracie keeps kind of saying about fairy tales, that really is, to me, like thinking in retrospect, I didn't necessarily think about it at the time, but like Alice in Wonderland at the big table, you know, like, this mm-hmm. huge feast and there's all these characters and this, I don't know. It's just very much that. Yeah. It's, lo- it looks a lot like the illustration from the book where Alice is sort of like slumping at the head of the table and the Mad Hatter and the yeah. March Hare and the mouse and the teacup are sort of hanging out there. <laughs> She's just looking at him like, what the heck? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but even like the flowers, like moving and stuff, is yeah. very Alice in Wonderland yeah. too, because the flowers all talk and sing and stuff. Yeah. And yeah. Then... Oh, ah, I forgot. Sorry, I gotta go back. So they carry her over there on 
like a oh, like yeah. a raised like a, a platform and they actually hoist her up on it and she's standing there and the image has been posted online but there's a there's actually a face in the forest that looks like her sister with the the hose attached to her it's a CG, yeah. it, it's a little bit CGI, but it looks really good. And yeah. you can, if you pause it at that moment, it's it's the moment that they're walking her over. There's a shot. There's a profile shot of her, and you can see the face in the yeah. in the woods. And once you see oh. it, then you can't miss it. Yep. Yeah. My God. It has the hose and everything. It's yeah. crazy. <gasps> it's good. We'll we'll have to we'll have to post it with this episode. Yes, I'll attach the picture. Yeah. I, I should be able to find the still frame of it. Yeah. Oh my gosh! I just found it. Yeah. <gasps> right. Oh, it's so scary. I never yeah. saw that. Yep. So man. I, yeah, I remember when we saw it in theaters. I saw eyes in the woods, but I didn't see anything else. Oh, and I, I was had like, no idea. Because I remember being like, "What the hell?" Yeah. And oh my gosh, I never noticed that because oh. like all the flowers were coming alive. So I was like, "Oh." And then when you said what it was, I was like, oh, of course. Yep. <laughs> that is amazing. Right? I love that. It's just like she, <gasps> even in her moment of sort of triumph at this point, there's still this horrible, ugly trauma that happened to her that's kind of invading this moment, too. I just love that. Yeah. Well, and it hasn't gone away. Right. That's right. the thing. Like, it will never, it will never go away, but now she might be able to handle it differently i don't want to say better but she'll be handled she'll handle it differently now that she has this community yeah right and then okay so she's at the head of the table and she gets to decide when everyone eats and you know she's also still on kai which you know she's like stroking the leaves and they're like coming like touching her and it's great and then it's like the tradition she's given a heron and she can't eat it the salt yeah. herring. And they're like, yeah. <laughs> But they laugh and it's cute and fun. And then she does that frown. It's yeah. just like such a deep frown. It's like, so Ooh. cute. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Little Florence Pugh. <laughs> <laughs> and then they, they toast to her and um the, the the girl that's like right next to her is like, You you are the family now, yes. Like sisters, we're like yeah, sisters. We're family. And then uh, Maya gets up and goes away from the table. Mm-hmm. And I love cause Danny actually kind of sees it happen. And at the end of the meal, Danny has to go as the maid queen and bless the field and crops. And she asked if Christian could come with there, and they said, no, it's for the May Queen only. The Queen must ride alone. And then the super awkward moment of the other girls pulling her, because they're the horses. Carrie goes, yeah. when we're watching this, of all things, Carrie goes, that would suck. She, <laughs> yeah. So she gets in the carriage, and Carrie says, that would suck. And, and I was like, what? What would suck? And she's like, pulling that stupid thing? Yes. <laughs> it would, but I, and you know, but I think it's like, the, the it's like this start of this um female and feminine connection yeah. of it women is. helping yeah. women but literally yeah that would suck because <laughs> i i mean because they're also like dancing and they're doing a really good job and then i was like oh god to be that dancer and have to pull that like that would suck yeah. <laughs> but i mean they did do it was beautiful yeah. so someone comes over and they they're throwing petals on the ground over to christian and the whole village is watching this happen and so it's like i go back to 
I don't think at the end this it really is a comedy. I think it's meant to be an ironic tragedy because I think at a certain point, Danny's going to be like, wait, it wasn't just Christian. I mean, this whole thing was set up from the start. Yeah. They, they knew Christian was going to have sex with Maya and make this child. Mm-hmm. It, like, I don't know. Maybe yeah. she gets so brainwashed that she doesn't care at a certain point, but... Well, I mean, traditionally, they cults pick people who are either, like... They need dependency and Mm -hmm. um, they've experienced trauma or abandonment. It's kind of like same with gangs. Like they need that family hole. Yep. filled yeah so they kind of family absolutely. hole filled <laughs> so i they... don't know if i don't want, i don't know if i like the term family hole <laughs> i'm sorry well they so they get her at the right time because she is like that perfect brainwash state yeah so just throwing that no out you're there. right you're totally right yeah but so basically we get in this this moment in the film we get two twin fertility rituals in a way because uh, Christian's brought into the temple and he has to breathe what I call boner smoke. It <laughs> yeah. says, the guy says, uh, you know, breathe in for your vitality. So he is drugged and it seems like he's taken this that is going to physically affect him too, but it is his choice. He's chosen all of See, this. He's not so I still like, I, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. Part of me does. And then the other part of me is like, no, he's kind of being raped. Like I can't decide. It's hard. Yeah. You know, that's what, that's what my husband said yeah. that he's being raped. Like, and I think that that's interesting because like there, there is a sort of like blaming the victim type thing exactly. going on here. Yeah. That's why I, I think it's interesting that if we know like, I feel like, no, like, if we see that he knows that it's a little girl. Yeah. Because she is a little girl. Right. I think that that a- adds to it and makes it more, um, makes it more like he's in the wrong. No, but, you're definitely right. Yeah. But I, but I do see where you're coming from because I, I, he is really, though. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's really hard. Under the influence he is. Yeah, totally. I mean, because you shouldn't be punished for taking drugs. Agreed. And that's kind yeah. of like what's happening is that he's being punished for being under the influence. Yeah. Agreed. It's such a uncomfortable topic and a yeah. really difficult topic that I think as a culture, we haven't quite figured out. No. Right. Absolutely. So I don't really... You know, I don't want to put any of us in a situation where we're trying to say what what really happens, because I I think. Oh, that's all I was going to say, pretty much. Oh, no, no. And I think I think we're meant to be conflicted about that. Exactly. That's the point. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think the whole point is exactly that that we're supposed to be uncomfortable by this. Okay, I'm glad we're on the same page, but it it is a very awkward sex scene. Yeah. You know, there's a semicircle of naked women from all ages. And it's like the sisterhood. And the redhead is on the ground. And, you know, there's flower bed around her. And they start doing it. And yeah, and instead of an ex- instead of like a shared experience between the man and woman, it's sort of a shared experience between all the, the women. women. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Everything Christian is Christian isn't Yeah, cuz Christian isn't really experiencing i don't feel like anything yeah (laughs) that we can see physically on his face but the women are all making the moaning noises i mean that one woman comes down and just grasps his (laughs) his face and like is "Ah," like singing kind of Uh, yeah which is what made 
no <laughs> that's yeah you're absolutely so right I, because yeah like even the the morning they all like cry together and Pally said they do everything together so that totally mm-hmm. makes sense like everything literally is shared like sex emotions yeah good job good job gracie <laughs> yeah thank you <laughs> yeah i mean you you do kind of have to laugh at how i don't know insane the whole thing is oh yeah I, like i said at the beginning of the episode like my my husband luke was just like why is nobody else think that this is the most insane thing they've ever seen on screen yeah. <laughs> like you know and because you it's more of your laughing because you're uncomfortable yes. not because you're like haha look at this guy having sex with this woman it's you're laughing because this is so uncomfortable yeah. and when you think of yourself in that position in our culture anyone would be like this is wild mm-hmm. you know like this is so different than anything that we're used to experiencing right. so yeah yeah so it's it makes you woo, it makes you a little uncomfortable <laughs> when you see it especially when the older lady takes his butt cheeks and starts pressing oh, yeah she is into her. helping him thrust it's right. so uh yeah that's right yeah it's weird yeah. it's weird well most importantly though is that danny sees this happening through the yeah. temple because yeah. they they try to warn her and tell her it's not for us and she sees it happen. Yeah, she she hears the women and from because uh, she has she's supposed to go into an, this other house where the former May queens are all hanging out and they bless but, her. Yeah, about, but yeah. she hears the women and so she's like, "What's that?" And yeah, she goes over and she literally looks through the keyhole, which I thought was also kind of like weirdly humorous, almost like a pun, you know, that Ari Aster's also like, very look, Alice in Wonderland. Yes. Look through yeah. the keyhole. Yeah. So yep. yeah, and she freaks out, obviously. And that's when she, what do you call it? Like keening? What is it? Yes, it's keening. What, is, what does that yeah, mean? So, what is keening? So keening is, um, it derives from a Gaelic word that I cannot pronounce. Um, and I don't even remember what it is, but it means vocalized cry. And I mm. think from what I remember, it's based on the Banshee's death message, which is her, she cries, right? And screams and stuff. Yeah. And um, it's normally seen, I think, as like a bad omen because like she's a harbinger of death like so- like someone's about to die soon i learned all this from the tv show so weird on the disney channel <laughs> like, this is how i nice. know what that it means but this is amazing yeah. yeah but i think that's what it is is that and so what women do when somebody dies is they sort of like reenact the banshee's cry and it's sort of like the cry like like the wailing like brings the soul to the afterlife wow. and like like has makes make sure that the soul like moves on basically and goes to wherever they believe it goes which makes sense i guess in this scene with danny because she uh is crying right she's a first of all she's upset because she sees her boyfriend having sex with another person mm-hmm. But I, but it's, it's everything, right? Yeah. It's the death of her parents. It's the death of her sister. Like that's still holding on to her. Yeah. And, um, and she has never had it. A- Sorry. I was just gonna say, it's also happening right after she had what was supposed to be a really celebratory moment. Mm-hmm. Yes. And all those images of her, of her parents and her sister yeah. are subliminal messages, right? Or in her system. Right. So this is her moment to keen, right? This is her moment to to wail away her her parents and her sister's spirit and have them leave her and stop haunting her mm. and move on to the afterlife. Interesting. That's fascinating. Yeah. So 
that's what I always yeah. saw. And of course, so as. she's doing that, and they, they, the, the other May Queens are taking her to the bunk, or you know, they're kind of crowding around her and really mothering her, and she trying to calm her down, and she does that with them, and they start keening with her, following the same breathing and stuff. They're all breathing in and breathing out together, and they have a synchronized screaming, crying thing going on. Shared emotions. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And even there's dual noises going on. Like, it's, yeah. it's a lot of duality right here. Yeah, but for sure. Yeah, it's the women sharing the pleasure and the women sharing the pain. Yeah, right. exactly. Back to Christian. He finishes and that Maya, she does the weird yoga position to... Yeah, the happy baby pose, yeah. which is ironic. Yeah, to conceive, and I love that she had all of her body here. I'm just saying, like, she had hairy armpits and hairy legs, and I was like, oh, it's perfect. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. I don't think I noticed that. Yeah. It's <laughs> oh, funny. Um, I, just, I just have to say that I watched The Big Lebowski kind of religiously, and Maude oh, no. does the yeah, same pose does. at the end of that, so... The first, like that's every, how I every knew. time I watch it, I was that's like, how I knew it was like, a conception oh, pose. That's the mod pose, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it increases the chances of conception. That's how I knew that is from Big yeah. Lebowski. Yep, yep. Um, Let me explain something about the dude. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, all right, well, <laughs> I don't know how to keep going. <laughs> Sorry, I derailed us. Um, so he. You have to tell what you read, Ben, because I find what you read that the actors this was the actor's choice to run naked. Yeah. He so nice. Yeah, so he Good for him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he actually worked with a Jack Jack Reiner Rainer? Jack Rayner. Yeah, Jack Rayner. He worked with Ari Aster and basically said to him, I want Christian to look as humiliated as possible. He <sighs> should be as I respect he should that, be right? naked on screen for as long as possible too. The whole point being that they you typically never see in horror movies the way women are degraded in mm-hmm. horror movies. You don't typically see the equivalent of that with men. And so yes. this was to show that he is at this point completely degraded, completely helpless, literally naked, which is the way that in so much of horror you see women treated. And you see that situation have, for them. So, yeah. I have so much respect for that actor. Totally. That's amazing. That's, yeah. yeah. that's. I wanted you to say it because I felt, feel the exact same way. I was yeah. like, oh, yeah. we need more actors like this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because it takes guts to be naked on screen for a ton of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like immortalized. And women do it all the time. Women do it yeah. all the time. Men hardly ever do it. So I have a lot of respect for him. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Right. I, yeah, I totally agree. It made me like him as a person, not Christian. The part yeah, he's obviously playing. his character is terrible, but yeah. he's really, that's a really great actor there. Also, like they were really good about making that dick covered in blood like his, he has a pink neck. I you were trying too. to figure that out yeah, yeah. i remember oh, at the I theater th- being like whoa he popped her cherry that's a lot of blood and yeah. then you can still see it like yeah yep i think i said maybe he's just got a red rocket i don't know <laughs> i mean maybe but i that's what yeah. i thought too i was like oh she's yep that's blood yeah. okay yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
I think we're all on the same page. Yeah, the attention to detail in this movie. Yeah, it's so good. Per- it's perfect. Yeah. It's like the only movie I don't have a complaint about with the details, and I always yeah. complain about details in movies. I know. Yeah, <laughs> these well, the movies that we discuss on this podcast have problems <laughs> occasionally with attention to detail, like Wi-Fi in the Arctic, which we talked about already. Oh my <laughs> but, god. Um, so yeah, so he runs out, and he's this is the moment where you know he's helpless, and he's kind of in the aftermath of his own actions and he's looking around and it, like he's just trying to get the fuck out of here um at this point so he's trying to like find a place to hide yeah for, basically it's like it's right afterwards and he's like oh my god what have i done yeah, kind exactly of thing. and yeah. he's in the middle of you know this town like area naked so he he finds josh's leg popping up from the garden is it josh's yep. leg yeah yes it oh. is I yep. didn't know that. Okay. It's Josh's leg. And then he uh, runs to the chicken coop because he's just trying to find a place to hide. Because, yeah, again, again, I think he's full of shame and he doesn't want to, yeah. like, he doesn't want to do the walk of shame and see the villagers. But, yeah, especially naked. So right. and he runs to the chicken coop and that's when he finds. There's I, also a guy. Sorry. There's a guy off screen at that moment that's just watching him yeah. kind of from the fields. And I want to mm-hmm. say, like, he... I, I don't know. The, the attention to detail. I mean, I think that that's the same guy who ends up blowing the drugs in his face. I think face, it is. But it, yeah. it could not be. But I was like, he's, I feel like this guy was sent to go get him. Like, yeah. it's, he he finished the ritual, go get him, blow the drugs in his face. Yeah. But so, I'm sorry yeah. to cut you off. Go ahead. It's okay. And then he finds the British guy, I forgot his name. Simon. Simon, yeah. Strung up with, like, these, like, wings and flower. Like, the image of that. Yeah, his lungs yeah. are exposed. It's really spooky. So this is also coming from research. I read that Ari Aster did a whole bunch of research into Viking culture and that sort of mm-hmm. thing. And that there was... Oh, I, I'm going to butcher what it's called because I didn't write it down. It's something like something eagle, eagle something, uh, torture, mm-hmm. that they would actually do this, where they would, while the person was still alive, they would cut mm. them open from the back, and they would pull out their lungs and string them up that way. So this mm. is actually well, coming from Viking torture. Very good. I'm glad you mm. researched that, because I was I was wondering what that meant, seeing, you know, why was he put in that position? Yeah. <laughs> but that, so that makes it, sense. Yeah, no, that's perfect. That's yeah. another good detail. You also see his lungs, for, like, breathing yeah and i saw that i'm torn on that because it's a little far-fetched for me is is um christian imagining that though I thought, that's what i wonder or can he not see from where he's standing I, his lungs he could see him because i think we he can yeah. okay i think i'm wondering if he's imagining i wonder that, that too but I, nothing else is vibrating in that you know like I when thought they, it's because he was still high and you know like how we would see the flowers for yeah danny so we're seeing like yeah. the death like the lungs in the air and yeah, I just yeah. wasn't sure. I wasn't sure how you guys were reading that. So he looks under him and looks up into his face, and he's got those flowers mm-hmm. in his eyes. Mm-hmm. But so he looks away from that, and he looks up, and the guy is right there, and he blows smoke right into his face, and he passes out, and then there's the cut to this. The woman who I think was the one who was helping Danny get into the Maypole dance she's mm-hmm. framed in front of the camera talking to us like we're Christian. And she's like, Christian, okay. You can't speak. You can't move. Okay. And then she just walks away. Like, like it's kind of like, okay, just so you know, um, you can't speak, you can't move. 
and you almost I, I almost want her to be like everything's okay but she doesn't say that because it's not it's like you can't speak you can't move i'm walking over here now and then so this is like the final part of this whole feast as they call it their 90 day feast and this is where they really explain everything that had been happening up to this point and it's uh carrie what did you say the main elder's name was the woman sev sev she says something this caught my ear this time she says something about we honor our deity of reciprocity but so so she mentions that which yeah i'm not quite sure what to do with exactly but this is where she explains we have nine sacrifices and it's going to consist of four new bloods and four from horga because something about that that that's like we honor the deity of reciprocity by giving what what we what we take we also give so i guess that's mm-hmm. part of that but yeah. then there's one that's chosen uh, yeah, so the the four Horga are the two elders who jumped. Then Ingmar. So I guess, oh, I said earlier that maybe Ingmar was trying to marry, what's her name? Connie? But no, he's he's already going to sacrifice himself. He's already, yeah, that's right. He's already set up Ew, to be sacrificed. Never mind. And then the other guy is, I think, Oaf or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he is the guy who, they, they say that they... I think helped sacrifice the others so I, it's implied that they actually killed them and Oaf is the guy who was staring daggers at um the fool what's his name mark uh mark yeah yeah so that makes sense yeah. and that they would be the ones in there so the may queen has to choose between christian or a pre-selected horga and <laughs> this whole thing's kind of done game showy but they mm-hmm. do a lottery yep. and they actually do like a lottery ball spinner thing too. And it's mm-hmm. Toolbjorn, honorable Toolbjorn. One thing that I want to point out here that is not addressed, which I thought was strange, is one of the girls, when they show the crowd, one of the girls clearly has blood splatter on her face. Oh, I don't know if I've noticed it's that. Really, yeah, it's she... really quick, but it totally is there. And then there's also a scene where everyone else is taking the wheelbarrows and stuff of people to the house. Yeah, they're and, preparing the temple. Yeah, And she's like crying and another girl's comforting her and then they walk away. Right. I don't, I don't know. Oh, yeah. I took that as probably crying over Ingmar or Oaf one of those guys because they're that makes sense yeah. but i wonder why she has blood though yeah. that does that's the part that doesn't no, make sense it didn't make sense unless i mean maybe moving some of the other bodies you know it might be a little bit messy maybe yeah but yeah that's not something that is addressed at all in the director's cut in case anyone's wondering but the choices are presented before danny and she's at this point got that gigantic flower gown thing on like consumed in these flowers and they tell her that she has to, to make her choice. Yeah. I would love to wear yes. it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, all of her emotions and her grief yeah. and, is showing through. Yep. If she, if they actually showed her choose, it would have been so cheap. Mm-hmm. But they just say, you right. have to choose between these two. And then they cut after she has already clearly made the choice. And and I love it this part, too, because I I don't really like killing... I, Killing is not cool in my book, but at the same time, you're Glad like, you that up yeah, yeah. But at the same time, you're like, please pick Christian, please pick Christian. And you feel bad about it. And then you're like, no, you got to do it. You got to do it. And no, because <laughs> we, this has, we have been going on Danny's journey throughout this whole thing. So we empathize with her yeah. and, and so we, uh, of course we want Christian to die. Yeah. <laughs> It's, he's got to go. He's got to, to go. go. 
there was part of me that when I saw this the first time, I was like, it would be surprising if she didn't choose him, though. Yeah, same. That would be surprising. I thought about that, too. I was like... Because then is he just going to be paralyzed with this community for the yeah. rest of his life? I would find that he interesting. He would have to live yeah. in that state forever, yeah, yeah instead of dying. Right. But then she'd never be rid of him, mm. so, you yeah. know... It, exactly. But, I mean, she's... It's a cleansing ritual. She also still comes from... She's not completely part of the culture yet, so it's like... Would you rather an innocent person die that you don't know? Right. So it's kind of like a philosophical. True. You know. Right. Yeah. 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 So we cut to their, they're gutting the bear that we saw in the beginning in the cage. And it's just a bear. It's just, just, that's a bear. (laughs) So they, they sew Christian into the bear, which is just a great image and real fucked up so ironic because i feel like bears sort of represent like bravery and strength and christian mm. was anything I think but the way, yeah i mean i think <laughs> the way that they're looking at the bear is that it's the beast you know mm-hmm. it's it's animalistic it's because this whole ritual seems to be as they say right before they set everything on fire they say something about we do this to banish their lesser affects so mm-hmm. it's like my reading of that final ritual is that this is their sacrifice of of cleansing. So they're they're cleansing mm-hmm. themselves of this sort of bestial darkness, you know, this bears their, their symb- baser instincts and stuff. Bears symbolize dumb authority and being larger than life. Mm. signifies representing the laws of boundaries and standing tall against adversaries. adversaries. Yeah, but is that, but is that Western symbolism no where are they getting where what is that the dictionary.com no so um, it's a um i want the horgas it's a psychic version. it's a psychic medium website <laughs> ah perfect nice. do you want me to go to spiritanimal.info i'm good <laughs> grounding forces and strength it's a powerful totem uh inspiring those who need it as courage and standing up against adversary. Adverse, I don't... Ad, I can't say ad... You know what I'm trying adversity. to say. Adversity, yeah. I don't think that's how they're using it in this. I, I think they are... The bear... And, and going back to that idea of her picture on the wall where she's kissing the bear in her old apartment, I think the bear is supposed to represent that sort of violence in human nature. The Like they say, the lesser affect. Says the spirit right. of the bear ended indicates it's time for healing or using healing abilities to help self or others okay i could actually see that yeah yeah that makes sense i could see that okay yeah okay so i don't know i just i think bear is a cool imagery i like bears they're scary but then kind of not scary aren't there fairy tales where people get turned into bears right and they have to sort of change them back and stuff so i wouldn't Hmm. be surprised I think I think there are. I don't. I'm not. I'm not well versed yeah. in that. But I feel like I've read stories of people being turned into bears. I think there's or... something having to do with. I'm sorry if I'm wrong about this, but uh, I I feel like I've read about this in certain Native American cultures because the bear, when a bear is skinned, it I looks told you so... about that. Okay, yeah, that's from fair. a class I took. Yeah, so when a bear skinned, it, it looks, looks like, like a, a person, human. but it's got these huge oh, claws, and, and it stuff. really does. If you Google it, it looks like a person creepy wow okay yeah anyway 
Yeah. So they load up the building with the former bodies, and they have the they have sculptures of the two elders who jumped. But they wheelbarrow. It looks like Connie is has probably been drowned because she's like bloated and gray, and it's really horrifying. And this time, I realize mm-hmm. that it's fucking Pele who wheels her into the place. Fucking Pele, because he's wearing a crown at that point. He's honored. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's honored for his intuition for for right. bringing the outsiders in. So. Yeah, so they get everybody loaded in. Christian just has no... He can't move. He can't react to any of this. So he's just sitting there, you know, without any affectation. And uh, the two volunteers are in there. One of the guys gives them... You. You tree. Do from the you tree or whatever. And says, feel no pain. Feel no fear. And then Mm -hmm. they all start on fire. The you does not help. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. No. Yeah, it does not help. They're, they're, the one guy is told, feel no fear, and you can see that he's he looks to the other guy, and he looks pretty terrified. And then the other guy, yeah. who was told, feel no pain, starts screaming, screaming. Yeah. once yep. the flames get on him. So it's Whoops. seems to be implying that at the end of the day, the Horga are full of shit. That's my, that's my interpretation of this, is that their whole culture when it comes to the actual execution of this big great feast and all that stuff at the end of the day they're just can, putting people through hell and can, it's pain and horrible can i that's quote, my reading of this can i quote i don't know if i'm going to get the quote white right but can i quote my favorite murder they say call your parents you're in a cult you know, call, call your, your dad you're in a cult call yeah. your dad <laughs> <laughs> call your dad you're in a cult <laughs> nice yeah I, I do like, it's like right when they hear their own people scream is when they start to scream outside, yeah. too. Like that. Yep, they're sharing right. the pain yeah. again. And they're all sort of pulling at themselves as if they're trying to pull out this. I I read that as trying to pull out their lesser affectations, their lesser affects, as they say. So they, they're like doing this weird gesture where they like pull at their face as if they're ripping mm-hmm. off. I took it as like dance mania. <laughs> Boots and pants and boots and pants. You laugh, but that was a thing. No, I know it was a thing, but I don't I don't think it applies here. I think that they're they're just, going Can you just their... let me have my moment where people dance right, until they dancing. die? All right. Thank you. They're all just dancing and having a good time. No. Um yeah, it, it's very like I feel like it's definitely like a grief movement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Danny's just Well, she's in staring. it. Staring. Because first she's crying, and then she kind of yeah, joins yeah. in with her own, what's the word again? Keeny. And then she starts to smile and laugh. The the shot is, I think it's, uh, shit, it's overlaid with the temple collapsing. But it's mm-hmm. after the temple collapses that we linger on her face for a really long time, and she's just got that perpetual sort of frown, which she does perfectly throughout the movie. And then collapses, and then she slowly, really, like, grins, you know? It's not just, like, a like a subtle smile. It's a full, wide grin. She's happy. And then it ends. I think um, Florence Pugh said that she, the direction either that Aster gave her or that she used for herself was that she was seeing fireworks. Mm. Huh. Which I thought was kind of, which I thought was kind of neat. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That's fascinating. So, mm-hmm. Okay. This is, we, we have to get into our wrap-up stuff momentarily because we've obviously gone very long, but <laughs> but I do need to hear how you two read the ending. Is it, do you lean more towards, is she healing or is she 
is she hopeless? Is she crazy or is she, I'm curious. What do you think? You know, I, maybe this is because I haven't seen the director's cut, but I, I don't look at the Horgot as being, um, terrible at all. Mm. I see it. I see this film kind of metaphorically. Right. And, um, I don't, I don't, I'm not taking anything this film literally at least that's my interpretation and so for me i'm just looking at it as danny's journey to self-reliance and her um her self-reliance i think represents her becoming the may queen she is like the head of everything like she is her own leader Um, and she is the leader of all of her emotions. She's the one that can control everything that she is feeling and nobody else can determine that for her. And then I think the Horga kind of represent her, uh, her, um, ability to connect with people again, um, and not to rely on, uh, her boyfriend Mm -hmm. or to rely on people who don't understand her to only sort of gravitate towards people who understand her feelings or are able to empathize with her. And I think, like I said before, like all the flowers sort of represent like her, um, being able to express herself and everything is just out in the open. Like there's no holding back anymore. She is just, this is who I am. These are my emotions. And I feel like her smile at the end is her, uh, accepting like that and that she is free. And so I don't look at her as crazy at all. I think this is symbolically, I think that is what it all represents. Mm. And obviously if you look at it literally, yeah, the Horgas suck, they're terrible, (laughs) but it's like, but I, I personally like to look at it that way. I think for me as an audience member, it gives me satisfaction, um, to look at it like that so that's what i think so i think every time i watch this movie i have a different thought about the ending um what -hmm. you said gracie is basically what i still go to um because i think it is kind of a metaphor and that's definitely what i had after watching it the first time but i feel like the more i watch it the more it becomes sinister to me Mm, um okay and I don't know if that's thanks to the director's cut that we watched, um, I, but I don't think it is because after we watched the director's cut version, I was still kind of like thinking it was more of like a metaphor. But then when we watched it this last time, I was like, I feel like it's starting to get sinister. I feel like because to me, do you think do you think that it's more sinister for like Christian and uh the the friends i think but then but then for danny it's different do you think there's like two different messages happening no, maybe because i think that that's kind of what i meant when i was saying like the this time when i watched it i realized that everyone is very self-absorbed and having their own mm-hmm. like being at the commune kind of brings out almost the worst in everyone like all yeah. of their self-absorptions become bigger and i think mm-hmm. I don't know if it's in contrast to the commune members who share everything. So you really start to see their own selfishness come out. And I think mm-hmm. that that even happens to Danny in some ways. Mm. Like she does become part of this group, but she also becomes more self-absorbed and selfish in a way. And I feel like the more I watch it, the more I'm just like, everyone is, Yeah very sinister i think that that's great (laughs) (laughs) 
but I also kind of want to add that to what I was also saying, because I think she kind of needs to be no, selfish. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Because she was living for so many different people. She's living for Christian, living for her sister too, even before that. Um, and I think this is like a moment where she's able to be selfish. So I don't know. I love that, Carrie. <laughs> I think that's great. Yeah. So I am definitely more leaning towards what Carrie said. I I can't help but take movies like this. I, I see the the metaphorical nature of it, but at the end of the day, I take the events as literal and having occurred mm-hmm. and that that we're supposed to see them as real people. And so I think that well, I think that on the one hand, the ending is meant to be ambiguous, so I think we're supposed to be having this conversation. Oh yeah, I think even Aster and Pew disagreed on what they thought about mm. the ending, and it's his movie. Yeah, yeah, no, that's awesome. <laughs> but they both they they both disagreed as yeah. well. So yeah, I think you're right. We're supposed to sort of yeah, debate it. But to me, I think that some of this may be tinted by some early reviews that I had read or some early interpretations that I had read because I, but I, I think that they still feel the most accurate to me where it was kind of like what the reviewer was saying or the analyst was saying was that at the end of the day, Danny is not in a position to heal from this because she has simply replaced her weird out of whack relationship with Christian to a very strange sort of smothering relationship with the Horga where it's like this codependency where she is not going to be an individual. She's going to be part of a collective and she's never going to get over her grief because it's no longer her grief. It's the community's grief and it is her grief. It should be her grief. And so there's all this happening where I think she's, she's giving up herself to become part of the Horga if she stays with this community and I have to wonder about what the longevity of her position in this community would be because I cannot see her, you know, w- except just becoming numb to everything that just happened and literally murdering people. Then she's going to at some point be like, hold on, Pele set all this up, murdered all these guys. People are dead and they've been killed for a symbolic gesture. I mean, I I just feel that in that way, for her subjectively, it may feel like she's moving on a path towards healing. But if we look at it from a little bit higher up in a more objective viewpoint, I don't think she's set up in that position at all. I think she's she's lost it at this point. Like she's she's cracked mm. open and she's she's lost herself and she may have lost her mind in that final moment of her grinning. She's not taking her medicine anymore. That's true. Yeah, because they show her take medicine in the early uh, parts of the movie. I don't know. I, I have that's true. I have a lot of thoughts. I yeah. still put it's yeah, and but yeah, I, okay. But that's again one of the brilliant things about this movie is that you can take that ending in so many different ways. In the course of the movie, you can interpret it in so many different ways. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah, I think that well, however you view the ending, like you said, like it. It, it totally like uh, depicts how you see the entire yeah. film because you can't look at it, I think, literally and then have the same interpretation that right. I have. 
So it's, yeah, it's great. It's masterfully <laughs> <Yes>. done. <laughs> so we have two questions that we need to answer. And the first one is, was this movie scary? This this question yeah. is always a stumper for <laughs> for the movies yeah. that we talk about on this show. That is really hard because, like, I would say no for me. I would say it's not scary. I'd say it's horrific. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's scary, yeah. though, for Disturbing me. Disturbing in a sense, right? Disturbing, yep. I, uh, I, I'm not sure. I think... Oh, man. How do I even answer this? I guess it depends on what you think is yeah. scary then then what is horrific slash yeah. disturbing. Because I think for me, scary is like, whoo, I'm yeah. jumping, you know? And I didn't do that. I was just yeah. horrified. I mean, you compare... <laughs> I, I would have said that hereditary was scary, right? And disturbing yeah. in all those things. I yes. would say it's all of those yes. things. This one, it's so pretty and sort of hypnotic and mm -hmm. funny at times i i would agree with you i don't think it is scary i think it's a kind of intellectual movie in a lot of weird ways yeah i i think it's um it has a lot of like horrific imagery and it does have some horror images in it as well like, we didn't talk about, like, the ghost of her sister was in the mirror at one point yeah, yeah, and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. So, in that sense, like, to, I, I always jump at those stupid jump scares. So, I, I mean, in that sense, there are scary elements. But overall, I think it's more of, yeah, an intellectual movie where it is addressing a lot of emotional um subject matter. Yeah. I also think there's a way that people watch this movie and just get, like annoyed with these kids the way that you get annoyed with kids in any slasher where you're like what the fuck are you doing get the fuck out of there <laughs> there is that aspect of it right i, th I think that's built into the tropiness yeah that sort of underlies everything agreed yeah but i think that's part of the fun and i think that's part of what makes it not scary in that sense because it does have that feel of these people are just acting so stupid like they have no sense of self-preservation <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah, definitely. They, did, they would just get the fuck out of there. But I think it's smart enough that you can you can reason your way into why they didn't get out of there. Right. But anyway, yeah, I think my answer is no, it's not scary. Uh, and so our second question, does this movie have lasting appeal? Heck yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm vigorously nodding over here. You can't see it. But yeah, totally. I mean, there, there's so much to say about this, right? I mean, we have emphasized it throughout the entire episode here that that you can watch this movie multiple times, have different readings of it, have conversations with your friends about it. What does it mean? What do you think about this? You can catch so many different things that are layered throughout that you won't catch the first time. So anybody who's listening to this, who's only seen the movie once go watch it again because it's worth watching. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, you guys, I've seen the movie three times and I never noticed the subliminal message of like the sister's face in the forest. So it's like, there's so much and it also deals with emotions that we all as humans we all yeah. go through so we can all understand like all all of this we understand what it's like to fight with your significant other or to break up or to have to lose somebody that's close to you you know to feel sadness to feel pleasure to feel pain and that's this whole film deals with yeah. that so i i agree yeah. with everything and it's also beautiful. <laughs> so yeah. even though it is kind of 
emotionally uh, hard. It's it's a beautiful film. I wanted to throw out that this time, also third watching, I saw that there was a flower crown over her picture by the parents' bedside on the, yeah. the death-like scene, which oh, I'd never noticed I before. I want to say that their wallpaper is vines and stuff, too. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's so good. Yeah. And I think it says something a lot about the state of horror cinema and horror movies that you can... By by turning the lights on, you can do something that yes. seems revolutionary for our current time with horror movies. We, yes. <laughs> like, I think Ari Aster, and there's some other directors out there, too, doing interesting things. I'm, like, trying to just in subtle little ways get us out of the rut of mainstream horror that we've been stuck in uh, since the early 2000s or something like that, you know? So and I many, love it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, we could go off on a whole other tangent here about this sort of uh, what I don't. It's it's bullshit. Ter- it's a bullshit term. People call it saying things like elevated horror and all that shit. It's all horror. Just yeah. I hate that. Like I personally, I hate it because it's all horror. It always was always horror. The Shining was a horror movie. It wasn't elevated horror. Like sh- like come on. So all this stuff yeah. is just horror. No, it's just that it's just that the the mainstream stuff that was targeted at the PG thirteen audience since early two thousands up to whatever. I, I think that there I would was like to say even before that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was a very narrow lane that you could be in to be doing horror. I think unless you were unless you had a micro budget. Yeah. Right. Because there were plenty of people who were always doing interesting things with horror, but they didn't necessarily have a budget behind it. So I think I really appreciate movies like this, where it is a bit tropey, but man, it's just taking a slight tweak on certain things. The way that, you know, the the elders who jump from that cliff and the way the gore is shown and the way the shots are and the way it's in the light... It's familiar, but it's also different. Mm-hmm. It's the, uh, the uncanniness of it is, is yeah, quite creepy. And just that subtle tweak is enough to make that violence that much more impactful again, so that it's not the mm-hmm. same type of, you know, jump scare that we've seen a million times or, you know, eerie music, you know, in the dark hallway kind of thing that you've seen all the time. That works for some people, and, and that's that's fine, but... Yeah, this movie... Why not both? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so this movie absolutely 100% has lasting appeal in my humble opinion. I do want to just say, like, I want to go over the the factoids that I wrote down um, to give some context, too, uh, about appeal and how it did at first. So it had a budget of $9 million, which is, I mean, fairly small, I think. The USA gross was $27.5 million, so did well domestically worldwide gross 47 million so i mean this was profitable yeah that was a hit yeah uh rotten tomatoes critic rating 83 percent, and i think even that may be slightly low mm-hmm. i would give this at least a 90 personally mm-hmm. rotten tomatoes audience score 63 percent. come on people i think a lot of people think that aster's movies are boring <sighs> they're boring. i know they're boring i i'm a part of a few those people are boring I'm a part of a few like horror kind of groups on Facebook and anytime anyone brings up Midsummer or Hereditary, I get there's so many messages of people like, Oh, it's so boring, I don't get it and I'm like 
Yeah, that's. And I have to take a step back because I don't want to be a gatekeeper, but it's like, <laughs> yeah, come on, Ooh, you just don't get it. Yeah, that's so sort of. Doesn't that speak so much to again this idea of there's a lane, right? There, there's a lane where people expect certain genres to exist within, and if yes, you go on either think, side of that lane, pe- right. certain people are like, I don't like it until until the lane starts to accommodate for that stuff. Right, exactly. I think that we're jaded, too. Yeah. I think a lot of people are jaded now, yeah. so... Yeah. I mean, because you heard Whatever. the same thing. You, you heard the same kind of arguments and the same kind of, like, poo-pooing of the Duke, the witch. Yeah. People get sick of it when you start to go, like, this is the new thing. And I'm not saying Ari Aster's the new thing. His next movie could suck, but but this movie's fantastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. IMDb score, 7.1. <laughs> That's pretty good for IMDb. That, that is yeah, actually yeah. pretty good. Well, I think I think we nailed it. I think we did. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> almost three and a half hours. I think I think we nailed it. Woohoo! So we're gonna ask Gracie to talk about all the stuff she wants to tell the listeners out there. So I know you're gonna plug your wonderful podcast for them. <laughs> I was wondering. I was like, else. is this where I plug my podcast? Yeah. <laughs> and like... anything else? But I know you're gonna talk about your podcast that people should listen to. Yeah, so um, I'm the creator and host of a podcast called Good Morning Nancy, and me and my co-host, Abigail, we talk about feminism and uh, horror films, and, you know, we talk about, like, social commentary as well, and we talk about all different types of horror, whether it's elevated horror, like hereditary, (laughs) or it's like... Boo, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> or it's like the 80s slasher films like the prowler so yeah. uh, we try to cover all different types of movies um so yeah check us out at goodmorningnancy.com uh we have a twitter at good morning nan facebook at good morning nancy and instagram at good morning nancy podcast and it's morning so, it's morning spelled with a u right morning. yes yeah. m-o-u-r-n-i-n-g yeah. so i'm actually um i'm gonna yes. i'm gonna promote you a little too because i'm gonna say you also do like episodes sometimes where you do like a lot of research because you did like the Vincent Price ones that were like so good. Oh yeah, and, yeah. our um, special episodes. Yeah, and then you also do the is it Bechdel test? Did I say that right? Yes, the Bechdel test. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think that that's also really cool because now I catch myself doing that no matter what I'm watching. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So. um if you can't tell, I'm an actual fan of the show, so I, I think <laughs> yeah. people should listen. It's it's so good. I mean, your show is up here, and <laughs> I, I feel like you have elevated our show just by being on. So oh, thank you, you guys so are much. So nice. No, thank you. <laughs> I mean, wow. I, like to our listeners out there, the, just Gracie had real depth in everything she talked about in this episode, and I'm just like, you know, like dicks and butts <laughs> red rocket Pe- peeing on a tree so yeah red rocket <laughs> you guys are so sweet um i want to come back if that's okay so please like uh, if... yes <laughs> i had lots of fun uh speaking to you too Yay. yeah this was fantastic yay all right. We'd love to have you back. Sorry, I didn't yeah. say anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it, yeah, you're you're coming back on as soon as you can manage it with your schedule. So, yeah, <laughs> aka my son's schedule. Yeah, yeah. right, right. 
<laughs> All right. Okay. So to our listeners out there, our only ask for this show is if you haven't, uh, please tell your friends about us and leave a review on iTunes. Uh, we don't have a marketing team, obviously, so we really do rely on you to help expand our audience and um, find new listeners. So we really appreciate it if you can continue helping to spread the word about our show. I was on marketing and the best marketing is word of mouth. mouth. Anyway, (laughs) so that's it for this episode of last year's horror. If you haven't, please be sure to subscribe and tell all your friends about us. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for news and announcements. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thanks, Gracie. Yay. (laughs)